right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you're there, would you say amen? These two chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of 2 Corinthians, have to be two of the greatest chapters in all of the Word of God. You know, as you walk through these chapters, really, these two chapters takes us from the very moment that we get saved, we first come into God's family. They take us all the way through life with all of its ups and its downs and its happinesses and its heartaches. These chapters takes us past death, of the dissolving and the, the decay of our bodies. And finally, we wind up out yonder somewhere in eternity at the judgment seat of Christ, all in the space of about only two chapters. As chapter 4 of the book of 2 Corinthians opens, uh, we find that the writer, the Apostle Paul, is writing to the believers who are members of the church of Corinth. And he writes to them about serving God. You know, we really always ought to serve God. One of the reasons God has left us here on this earth after saving us is for the purpose of being able to serve Him. And Paul mentions that in verse number 1 of this chapter when he talks about we have this ministry. We have this ministry. The word ministry actually comes from the root word minister, and it just means to serve. And you know, we all ought to be actively engaged in serving God. God left us here upon this earth after saving us to serve Him. You know, if God hadn't left us here to serve Him, He'd have been better off if He'd have just took us to heaven right after He saved us. Sure would have saved him a lot of problems, wouldn't it? And yet he left us here and he puts up with all of our failures and all of our flaws and our foibles. God puts up with all that because he intends for us to serve him. And then he talks about this in chapter 4 about serving God. You know, serving God, number one, is a matter of courage because he says there in verse number one, as we have received mercy. Aren't you glad you got mercy? Amen. I'm glad I didn't get justice. I'm glad I didn't get what I was entitled to. I'm glad I got mercy. And Paul said, since we have received this mercy, we faint not. We can't give up. We can't give out. We can't give in. I mean, serving God is a matter of courage. We must continue. That's right. It's a matter of courage. Then look at verse number two. It's also a matter, it's a matter of conduct. Serving God is a matter of conduct. You see, once we get saved, there are some things we need to renounce in our life, you know? We need to put away some things. We need to distance ourselves uh, from some things as we serve God. Then in verse three, he says serving God is a matter of concern. We cannot we must not, as God's people, hide the gospel. The gospel is the only message that gives hope to mankind. The gospel is the only message that uh, brings hope to those who are without hope. And if you and I sit in our churches and we confine that message to the four walls of a church, we do so at great danger and great detriment to those that are unsaved. Serving God is a matter of concern. We serve God because we want to help reach others. And then it's a matter not only of concern, but it's also a matter of conflict. Look at verse 4. Now he talks about the God of this world. And of course we know that serving God means to be involved in a warfare. Yeah, the devil is not going to sit back and let you and I actively, successfully, and victoriously serve God without putting up a fight. And the Bible talks about the God of this world blinds the minds of those which believe not. Can I tell you something? Every time I, I preach the gospel, every time you and I witness to people, we've got to understand the devil has pulled a veil over the minds of those which believe not. We have 
have to understand that if we, as we present the gospel to people, that we do so uh, to people who have been blinded. There's a great warfare. There's a great conflict. There's a great battle going on. As I preach the gospel this morning and preach the word of God, there's a conflict going on inside this room. There are angels that have been ordered into this room. There are also demons that are probably present in this room today. And there's a great warfare, a great battle going on right here inside of this auditorium today. We must be mindful to have great courage in the midst of this great conflict that we're involved in as we get the gospel out to those that are lost. But then also serving God, if you'll look at verse 5 and verse 6, is a matter of conviction. The Bible said in verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. It's our job to point people to Him. Listen, I can't point people to me. I can't help anybody. I can't point people to the Baptist. The Baptist can't help anybody. I can't point people to the church. The church can't help anybody. But I can point them to a Savior who can and will help anybody and everybody that'll come to Him. He's the only one that can give us light for our darkness. He's the only one who can give us grace, uh, grace for our guilt. He's the only one who can give us uh, forgiveness for our sin. So we preach Him. We point others to Him. He and He alone turns nobodies into somebodies. He and He alone turns sinners into saints, paupers into princes, and victims into victors. It's all because of Him. So this morning, I don't want to introduce you to a church. I don't want to introduce you to a preacher. I just want to point you to Jesus. We preach Christ and Him alone. He and He alone is the one who can help us. Well, we come then to our text verse, verse number 7. Let me read it to you now. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of, or of us. Now, this text, this verse that I want to kind of dissect this morning really lends itself to three words. First of all, if you look there at verse 7, there's the word treasure. Second of all, there's the word vessels. And third of all, there's the word of the name God. And in these three words, these three, fi uh, three uh, facts, we find great truths for the people of God. Now, I'm preaching this morning, and let me just say this before they even put the title up. It's not going to make any sense, but if you'll listen by the time we get done, hopefully it will. I'm preaching this morning on this thought. Cracked pots. Now, I didn't say crackpots, although there are probably a lot of crackpots sitting in this room this morning. In fact, can I tell you something? You're listening to a crackpot. But this morning, I'm not preaching on crackpots. I'm preaching on cracked pots. Now, what in the world do I, how do I get that from this text? Well, join me this morning, and let's talk a little bit from this text about pots, all right? First of all, look at verse 7. I want you to see, number one, what I want to call plain, plain pots. Plain pots. Now look in our text, and we read these words, earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, the, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he describes our bodies as that of earthen vessels, or in a sense, as earthen 
pots. Now, you know, uh, as you read through the Bible, you'll find out that God uses a variety of uh, illustrations to describe to us what our bodies are like. For instance, if you'll just look across the page from verse 7, look over in chapter 5 and verse number 1, Paul describes or refers to our body as being a house. Look at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. So sometimes in the Bible, our bodies are likened unto a house. A house. I'm sure that you've done this before. And he talks about there in verse number one, this house being dissolved. And he's talking about the breakdown of the human body. You know, have you ever been out riding in the country before? And I'm sure you've had this experience before. And every once in a while, you come upon an old farmhouse sitting out in the field. I don't know, there's something about old white farmhouse that I'm just attracted to. They, they have a sense of character and a sense of integrity. And they've stood there and they've stood the test of time. And those little white farmhouses have a, have a tendency to carry me back to the days of my childhood. But as you ride down these country roads or whatever, if you ever rode on the parkway before, you'll find these little white houses sitting off in the field. The porch has fallen in. The roof has now sagged. Most of the windows have been busted out. Many instances the chimneys have pulled away from the structure. Vines have grown up or else trees are surrounding and covering that house. And that house is pretty much now completely inhabitable. It cannot be lived in again. It has totally become dilapidated and it's on its way to being dissolved. Now let me tell you this, that house has not always been like that. There was a time when that house was brand new. Oh, when you walked in the front door, the smell of that house was brand new. Somebody built that house. It looked good. It was no doubt full of life and it was full of activity. The lights were on. Smoke was billowing out of the chimney. Children were perhaps running in the front yard. Voices were heard throughout the house and lives were lived on the inside of that. But one day, they moved out and the house began the process of decay until it was vacated and now it has become completely broken down. I didn't mean to, I don't mean to depress you this morning, but I got to tell you, that's the way our bodies are. You know, when we're young, our, our bodies are full of vigor and they're full of, uh, 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 vi they're vivacious, they're full of energy and, and enthusiasm. But then over the process of time, the body begins to break down. Things begin to go wrong surgeries happen, uh, things tear up in the body until eventually the body goes back to the dust, the very dust from whence it came. And these bodies are in the process of dissolving. Hey, I got some good news for you this morning. Cheer up, you're dying. Amen. But not only are our bodies likened unto houses, but in our text this morning, our bodies are likened unto pots. They're called earthen vessels. Now, we know that pots were very important in Bible days. You know, most of the time in our day that we think about a pot, we think about something to cook in. But in Bible days, pots were very, very important. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But you know something, a pot, that's a good description of, of what we are because we're told that when God created us, that he created us out of the dust of the earth, out of the clay of the earth. And you know, pots were made in those days. They were made out of clay. We have verses in our Bible that, that indicate this. Look at this verse right here. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art the Father, we are the clay, and thou 
art our potter. In other words, the Bible said that God is fashioning these bodies as it were a potter would fashion a, a pot. Job in chapter 10 of the book of Job in verse number 9, Job said, Remember I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay. You and I live in clay pots or clay vessels, earthen vessels. In fact, this very writer who wrote these very words in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, also, this was also said of him in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 15, the Lord said, go thy way. Speaking of Saul, who later became Paul, he is a chosen vessel unto me. God said, I got a lot of plans for his pot. Amen. I'm talking about plain pots. Paul was a chosen vessel. Paul was an earthen pot. Uh, you know something, truth of the matter is, I'm standing up here before a lot of pots in this building this morning. I'm talking about some are tall pots and some are skinny pots and, and some are some are uh, some are some are uh, small, uh, short pots and, and others are not so skinny pots. Some are pretty pots and then there's the rest of us in our pots. But there's all kind of pots in this room this morning. In fact, can I tell you something? You're listening to a pot this morning, an earthen vessel that has been created by God. You're looking at a plain pot this morning. Amen. I'm talking about plain pots, earthen vessels. But that leads me to a second thought in this text. Because not only do we understand that there are plain pots, but according to this text, we understand there are precious pots. Now, the reason I say these pots that are plain pots are precious pots is because of what's in them. There's something in the pot. Can I tell you something? I think we all know this, but, but pots were not just made to sit around. You know, pots were made to hold something. When you see a pot, you think about putting flowers in that pot, or even when it comes to a cooking pot or whatever, you think about putting, uh, putting food or water in that pot. Pots were made to hold something. And what makes plain pots become precious pots is because of what's in them. Now, when we, we read through our Bible, we come to understand a great truth in the Bible, and that's simply this. God made pots to carry things. In our Bible, we understand back in Bible days, they carried their pots. They carried their daily water in pots. Normally, it was the responsibility of the lady of the house to go to a well or to a creek or a spring and draw water, place it in a pot, and that would be the day's water for that particular family. She would put it in a pot. She may carry it on her head. She may have a long stick and two pots on either end, and she may carry those pots of water, but that was her job, to carry that day's supply of water in those pots. You know, when I think about water and I think about pots, I can't help but think about a very familiar story in our Bible about a woman and her pot. In John chapter number 4, we have the woman. Uh, the Bible tells us the story of the woman at the well. Now, let me tell you right up front, she's been married five times. She's living with a man 
man now who's probably on her way to become her sixth husband. So here's a lady that's been married five times, and boy, does she have a bad reputation. The Bible said she came to draw water at noontime from Jacob's well. Now, in those days, the ladies, as they would go to draw water, would either go early in the morning or they would go later on in the afternoon because to avoid the heat of the day. And yet we're told that she came at noontime to draw water. She couldn't come when all the other ladies were there because no doubt they looked at her with much scorn and much derision because of the life that she had lived. They wanted absolutely nothing to do with her. But then we read that day that the Savior had journeyed to that well and he sat down on the well and he waited for that woman to come. Aren't you glad that he's interested in people that other people aren't interested in? Aren't you glad this morning? I'm glad he pulled off Highway 52 this morning and he passed by Woodland Baptist Church this morning and he's sitting right here in this place because there's somebody he wants to confront about their sin and there's somebody he wants this to be the day that'll change the rest of your life. Oh, that woman didn't know what she was doing that day. She thought she was coming to draw water, but bless your heart, by the time that conversation is over, she didn't come to draw water. She left with the well of everlasting water springing up into her, whereby she would never, ever thirst again. In fact, she had so much water on the inside that the Bible tells us that she left her water pot. Hey, aren't you glad? Hey, I'll tell you something. There's precious things that are in pots. That's right, friend. There's a precious treasure in the pot. Can I tell you this? We find in the Old Testament that, 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 that important things and precious things were held in pots in the Old Testament back in the book of Jeremiah chapter 34. Now you remember at this particular time the Babylonians are getting ready to uproot the people of God and carry them away into captivity. In a 70 year captivity they're going to be out of the land of, of Israel. But right before that happened God came to Jeremiah and said Jeremiah go buy a piece of property. In other words God has given Jeremiah some hope. He's going to say hey you're going into a land for 70 years of captivity but there'll come a better day. There'll come a time you'll be back in this land. You'll plant vineyards. You'll plant gardens. You'll eat of the fruit of the ground. Go ahead and buy a piece of ground. Hey aren't you glad we have a God that's full of hope this morning. I know things may be bad this morning in your life. Things may be bad in our country. Things may be bad in this world but I'm glad I can stand up here this morning as just a big old pot and tell a bunch of other pots it's going to be a better day of coming someday. Jesus is going to come and when he comes things are going to get dramatically better instantaneously when Jesus comes. Jeremiah went and bought that piece of property and then the Bible said this about the evidences of it. Look at this. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, this, this evidence of the purchase. Now in our day, when we purchase a piece of property, if we pay cash for it, you get a deed. Or else if you borrow money, the bank holds the deed against that piece of property. But in those days, they just took the evidence of it, the piece of it, maybe the, the deed of it, and the Bible said they put them in and earthen vessel. Important documents were placed inside of pots. Water was placed inside of pots. Let me tell you what I read this week. This is interesting. Back in 1946 or either 1947, there's some dispute about which year this actually happened, but there were some shepherd boys, some teenage boys on a hillside in what is now called the Western Bank 
in the, in, in the nation of Israel. Now, if you think, man, Western Bank, I've heard that recently, that's just where this war has been fought between Israel and Hamas. Remember that? We just come through all of that, and it's on the Western Bank. The, the big fuss is the Western Bank. Who owns that piece of property? Well, let me just go ahead and set your mind at ease. God done gave that to Israel, and they're going to get every square inch of it some of these days. Amen. Whether our president wants them to have it or anybody else wants them to have it, God's done gave it to Abraham, and Abraham is going to get every square inch of what God promised him someday coming soon to an earth near you. That's exactly right. But in 1946 or 47, these teenage boys were watching their sheep on the hillside, and they come upon a hole. It was a deep hole. And they took a rock. One of the boys took a rock, threw it into the hole, and when it hit the bottom of the hole, they could tell it broke something. Well, they didn't do anything about it that day, but sometime later they were in that same area. And when they came back into that same area, one of those boys decided to go down in that hole. And inside of that hole, they found what they had broken was a clay pot which contained what we now know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls were at, contained a portion of every book in your Old Testament with the exception of the book of Esther. There was Scripture found, contained in those pots. And that Scripture was so precious, and it was placed inside a pot to preserve it down through the centuries of time. And it's so precious, one piece of it was auctioned off on the New York Times for $200,000. I'm telling you, there's some precious things kept in the pot. But now we read in our text right here that you and I, in our earthen vessel, in our pot, there's a treasure in there. Now, what is the treasure, for crying out loud, that's in our pot? Well, let me tell you something, friend. When you receive the Lord Jesus as your personal God and Savior of your life, guess what? God moved in to your pot. And let me tell you something. You're looking at my, my, uh, my body this morning. Let me tell you something. The contents are far more valuable than the container. That's right. You look at me and you don't see a whole lot. But let me tell you something. There's a treasure on the inside of me. God lives in my body. And God lives in your body. If you're saved, if you've accepted Christ, God lives on the inside of your pot. We sing that song around here every once in a while. It goes something like this. It's not what you see that makes me a king because I've got treasures unseen. Hey, I want to tell you, friend, when God, when I got saved by the grace of God, God moved into my pot. And I'll tell you, bless your heart, I'm a valuable commodity. Like I said, the container's not much, but thank God the contents. You can't put a price on the contents. I'm talking about precious pots. We have a treasure. A treasure in our earth and vessel. Somebody said, preacher, how you can be, how do you, how can you be sure God's in there? Let me tell you how I know. I feel him moving around once in a while. You know, somebody as big as God moves on the inside of your pot. You're going to feel it bumping against the walls every once in a while. We have several ladies in our church right now that are expecting babies. And you ask any of those ladies, any of these ladies in here, how do you know for sure if they're far enough along? How do you know for sure that, that you're pregnant? Well, they're probably, number one, going to point you to a watermelon in their belly. In their, in their belly. They're going to say, well, number one, this pudge. But number two, man, I feel that baby moving around on the inside. 
every once in a while he'll kick over here, or he'll elbow this, or he'll he'll get knotted up in my side, and and I feel, how I know a baby's in there, I feel him moving around. Can I tell you something? If God's in you every once in a while, you ought to feel God moving around every once in a while. Listen, if you don't feel him, if he's grown strangely quiet in your life, that's nothing wrong with God. Maybe there's something wrong with you. I'm just talking about on the inside of every one of us this morning, God, if you're saved, lives in your pot. We got a, we got a treasure in our earthen vessel. So there's plain pots. There's precious pots. But now number three, and this is the message and we're done. They're problem pots. You see, if you look again at verse number seven, here's where the problem is at. These vessels are called earthen vessels. They're made out of the earth. They're made out of the clay. They're made out of dust. They're made out of a world that's already under the judgment and the condemnation of God. They're made out of a world that God's already passed judgment on. They're made out of a world that's, desti out of a world that's destined to be destroyed. And because we're nothing more than earthen vessels, there's a real possibility... There's a real potential for, for failure in our life. Because I am a pot, even though i got a treasure inside of me, if I'm not careful, these pots are subject to fail. They're subject to crack. Boy, I'll tell you what I'm preaching to this morning. A bunch of cracked pots. You know why? There ain't a one of us in here perfect this morning. There ain't a one of us in here that's got it all together. So I just want you to know, I know, I understand, I'm preaching to cracked pots. And I want you to know you're listening to a cracked pot this morning. Because everybody in this room, everybody has their own struggles, their own battles, their own issues that we battle with, and there's not a one of us in here that is without a crack. But what encourages me so much about this? I might be an earthen vessel and I got some chips knocked off and I got a crack or two running down me. But what encourages me about all that is this. You know something? Our God can use cracked pots. God can use cracked pots. You may be sitting here this morning and you're right in the middle. Maybe you're on a second marriage or a third marriage as the case may be. And God, God forbid that for anybody in here. But maybe that is your case this morning. Maybe you're now, you've moved out of one and you're getting in. Uh, you're, you're without a marriage now. And you just think, I'm such a failure. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? What, can I just tell you something? God loves cracked pots. God loves people with failure in their life. God loves people who struggle. God knows and God can even use you as a cracked pot. I want to prove something to you. Look up here on the screen for just a minute at this verse right here. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me. Now you would appreciate his preaching because he said, man, I'm just about out of time. I've got to hurry because I'm just about out of time. But he said, let me just mention, let me just mention four people. He said, first of all, time would not even permit me to tell you of Gideon or of Barak or of Samson or of Jephthah. You say, preacher, why did you read that to us? Because can I tell you something? Right there, buddy, that's four cracked pots right there. I mean, Gideon, he was afraid of his own shadow. When the angel showed up and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of God. You know what I think probably Gideon did? You talking to me. Gideon was afraid of his shadow. 
Barak, God told him to go out and fight a battle. He was going to give him the victory. He had to grab a woman to go with him. He had to have somebody push him to do it. Samson, are you kidding me? You talk about a mess. Samson was a mess. Jephthah, his mama was a harlot. His family kicked him out. He joined a group of thugs. I'm telling you, you talk about a mess. Right there, buddy, is four crackpots. But where are they at in our Bible? They're in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know anything about your Bible, that's the hall of fame of faith. God took four crackpots and put them in the hall of fame of faith. I mean, God said, hey, they, they've got their flaws. They've got their cracks. They've got the chips knocked off. They, they don't look like they're supposed to look. But I just want to tell you, I got a plan for them boys, and I used those boys. And can, can I tell you something? The more broken something is, the more use God can get out of it. I am not by any means suggesting, if you don't have a crack in your pot this morning, to go out and get drunk and ruin your life. Are you kidding me? God would much rather use a whole pot than a crack pot. I get that. But I just, my, my whole message is this. I just want you to understand, you may have blown it. You may be a failure. You may have let God down. You may have let your family down. You may have let yourself down. But that don't mean that God can't use you. Because the cracks, the more cracks, the more the light can shine through. You remember the story of Gideon? I was just telling you a story a moment ago. He started off with 32,000, got down to 22,000, and finally wound up going out to face a massive army with 300 men. They all got their, they all got their lamps and their swords and their, and their trumpets, and they strategically placed themselves around the camp of the Midianites. And Gideon said, all right, now when you hear the blast on the trumpet, y'all shout, the sword of the Lord And Gideon. And then he said, take your hammer and break your lamps. Let the light shine through. The light couldn't shine through till the lamp was broken. God, for some other reason unknown to man, chooses to use broken things. So if you're cracked, if you've got failure, man, if you're hurting this morning, if you're struggling, man, if you've let God down, yourself down, and your family down, I just want to close by telling you this. There's a God in heaven who can use cracked pots. I want to put a picture up on the screen. I want to tell you a little bit about it. Look at this picture right here. Now, I know that's a crazy picture, but can I tell you something? That has become a very lucrative business. It's called dumpster diving. Now, I'm not advocating you go out and do this, but there are people who make a living diving into dumpsters. That's right. There are people that, and by the way, let me tell you this. In the state of North Carolina, it is not against the law to, not that you want to do this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, just in case you do. It's not against the law to dumpster dive unless it's on private property. So in other words, if you want to go to a family dollar and dumpster dive, help yourself. If you want to go to Walmart and dumpster dive, help yourself. Once that stuff is thrown into that dumpster, it becomes property of the public domain. And if you want it, if you can send it, Dive in there. You can get anything out of there you get. It's yours. Public domain. But let me tell you something. I said a moment ago, that's a lucrative business. Do you know there are some people that all they do for a living is dumpster dive? 
You get on the internet, you Google it, they'll show you pictures of men who have found ladies' purses in dumpsters. I saw one this week count out 32 $100 bills. Somebody put it in a purse, threw it away in the dumpster. 32 They find TVs. I mean, they find computers. They find food. I mean, they're, they're professional dumpster divers. And what everybody else has thrown away, they go after. Now I'm done. But aren't you so glad? And I say this with the utmost reverence. Aren't you glad our God is a dumpster diver? Aren't you glad? I mean, when buddy, when we, you know, some people become trash because they throw themselves away. You know, they mess up and then they start thinking to themselves, God can never use me. God don't love me. Not after what I've done. I'm done. And they just throw themselves away. And then there's a lot of people that other people throw away. I mean, buddy, they get to looking at that person and say, that man, he ain't never going to amount to anything. I mean, I knew that was him. I knew, no, I knew he'd never do anything. And they throw him. But aren't you glad God gets in the dumpster? Aren't you glad God goes after the crack pots? Aren't you glad God can reach into the dumpster and pull a pot out and clean it off and, and put it down and put himself in it and light it up and let that crack pot shine out everywhere to everybody as a testimony? This is not of myself. This is of God. God did this for me. And I'm telling you, if God can do that for others, God can do that for any crack pot sitting in this room this morning. He can do it. He can do it. Our God delights in taking things that have been thrown away, getting them out, and making something out of them. How many crack pots? No, don't raise your hand and don't even say amen. But how many crack pots are sitting in this room this morning? Think about what your life was. I mean, how cracked up you were, how beat up you were. How you, how you were in the garbage heap of sin. But aren't you glad God come by one day and reached into the dumpster and pulled you out and did something for you on the inside. And God moved in your pod. God moved in your pot. God changed your life. And now you're a crack pot, but you're letting the light shine to those around you. So let's say this. God sure does love crack pots. And God sure does love crack pots. And God loves you. So my whole message this morning is this. If you're in failure, if you become broken, if nobody else wants anything to do with you, if they've discarded you, maybe you've thrown yourself away and you're in one big, self, one big self-pity party, I just want to tell you there's a God in heaven that can take you, clean you up, put His light in you, and let you shine for His glory. God loves cracked pots. Let's pray. Father, thank you.